Talking out. Yeah. Let's just have a conversation. Track three. <clears throat> Better not be fucking Dave Matthews band. Okay. Those of you who don't want to be a part of this can leave now. Derek, please listen to me. But if you choose to stay, which it seems like you guys are choosing. Derek, please. You understand and agree to the following terms and conditions. Derek! One. Derek, this is the virus. You talking. hereby waive your right Derek, please. to your own personal bodily integrity. This is not you. Two. Per the state versus Neville Reed, my colleague and I will not be held criminally liable for any felony or misdemeanor that you may be a victim of, including, but not limited to, Aggravated assault, aggravated battery, disorderly conduct, destruction of property, mayhem, and first-degree murder. And three, terms and conditions may change or be updated whenever the fuck I want! 
consider yourselves notified. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a rock. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? everyone tj nubis with you on the metal time radio podcast hordes of chaos episode 159 kicking them out baby great opening there uh leo maracachotti i I, I don't probably butchering the shit out of his name he's done a lot of different covers like he's done toto and stuff like that he takes like pop songs and makes them metal and Took a Radiohead track there, Burn the Witch. I thought he did a really good job with that. I really like that cover a lot. Uh, I love the song already. Uh, Neko hates Radiohead. She hates everything about them, hates their music. Uh, I tried to like get her to like this song as much as possible because I really enjoy this song, but she uh, detests the band and everything, that the fans, uh, all of it. Because uh, they can't, the fans can't be pretentious. Like, if you ever run into Radio fans, they are fucking some pretty uh, pretentious assholes. But uh, the reality is, I do find some enjoyment in some of their work, as well as, like, Tom York, who did some soundtrack stuff, um, you know, in movies and stuff. So he's pretty creative. Uh, and the song itself is very good, lyrically, and the video, and everything else that I've gone through before. Uh, but I really enjoyed that cover, so Leo, great, great job on that. They even have a video for it, which is kind of fun. Uh, they actually have, like, I edited it down because they have some extra stuff, another, like, three minutes of, like, extra playing in it, but to me it kind of takes away from the song itself, so I just kind of edited it out and kept it short. Uh, today got a lot of, uh, new stuff and classic material coming your way as usual for us. Uh, new stuff from Cold World. Uh, what else we got here? Carnage of Children, Reed, Red Reiner, Devil's Force. A lot of this stuff's also come from uh, promotions and labels that I work with. Uh, new stuff from Incoffination, Hath, Deserted Fear. I know that's one of uh, my boy uh, Herman's favorite bands. 
Uh, new crowbar, new violence. Violence! Dude, we're going to be seeing them at MDF. I'm so psyched out for that. Uh, new stuff from Cultic, Lawson, Midnight. A dedication from Kevin Tarrant, my boy, going out to Neko. Uh, also got, uh, as far as, like, topics, like, you know, I really struggled with what I wanted to do this week. Uh, I couldn't really find anything newsworthy in terms of what I really wanted to talk about. And I had some plans to do some more videos on YouTube. I did. If you haven't seen it, I do have a review of the Batman, which I went and saw Wednesday. So if you are curious about my thoughts on that, uh, go on our YouTube channel. Just look up DJ Anubis. You'll find me. Uh, I know people are like, why is it Metal Town Radio to name it? Well, it's just it's under my own name because I never planned on having that as part of our our thing but even so if you go to metaltowerradio.com intent that's our website and you can check that out and you can find all of our stuff the internet radio portion the podcast as well as some of the youtube stuff that we're doing uh you can check all that out but as i said uh i was going to do one of the topics today on a movie, I was going to put on video, uh, but I decided against because I really needed some more material for this show. So I have three different movie reviews for you, but it's all older movies, stuff from within the last couple of years. Mainly because I didn't rush out at the time to go see them because I was very hesitant. So <clears throat> my reviews may not become may not come across as surprising to some of you. So when I get to them, you'll understand why. Uh, I do have one topic in terms of sort of political social, uh, so I'm going to be diving into that a little bit, even though I try to avoid it, but uh, just something I observed today when reading up on it, so uh, we'll get into that later on. Let's get off to our first block of music, though. We got some brand new uh, black metal stuff coming your way in the first couple tracks between uh, Cold World, and this is from Violet Cold. It's, it's called Mokita. And I'll talk to you in a few.
huh? All of you must die. What do we know so far? Everyone dead? No question. This was Batasai. He sheds no blood or tears. A killing machine. You really do that? You make blood fall like rain. Your name? Tomoe. Tomoe Yukishiro. When will it be enough? Or will you just keep killing forever? It's not your concern. So I'm here to warn you. Don't blunt his sword. I wouldn't kill you, no matter what happens. I'm not going away. You need my help to calm your demons. We found our spy. It's Tomoe. There you have it, the trailer for Rurouni Kenishin, The Beginning. And uh, this is a live action film based on the manga series of the same name, which is on Netflix right now. Uh, something to keep in mind. Uh, this is the fifth movie in a series of movies on I think they might be all on Netflix. I know the final. Uh, there's one called The Final that's in there right now as well, but excuse me. Already drinking this morning. Uh, so there's four movies before this one. However, if you watch this first, don't feel bad because this is actually a prequel to the other four movies. So basically, uh, what this movie is about is you have an assassin named Hidokiri uh, Bodasa, who is this badass fucking samurai assassin, right? Cold, heartless. Uh, has no emotion feeling. He's just like, he's, he's just doing his job uh, by taking out other samurais and, and tribes and stuff like that and clans. Uh, and in this film, he ends up uh, exploring a relationship with a woman that he meets uh, named uh, Yukishiro Tomei. Um, and basically, this is... I don't want to. I, I sort of don't want to give too much away because this movie is still somewhat new, I guess, in a sense. I, even though it was, I think it's been out since 2019. But uh, it stars um, Takira Sata, who uh, plays Himiro Kenshin. So this is this is our lead guy, who's uh, Bodotai, of course. Uh, Kasumi Amiria. Amura, she's the Tomei character in this. And I, I'm killing these names, I know. Sorry, guys. Uh, Eric, the Asian movie enthusiast, would probably kick my ass because he's way better at doing this shit than me. He actually has a review of this uh, on his YouTube channel. So uh, if you want like a deeper breakdown of this movie, uh, check out his YouTube channel. It's Asian movie enthusiast. Eric is a very cool guy. 
Uh, Neko and I want to try to do an interview with him down the road when she gets back. So uh, I'm very, very excited to try to pick his brain about stuff like this, stuff like this. But anyway, basically, Bodhisattva is hired to help uh, some revolutionaries uh, overthrow the Tagawa Shogunat. Um, now, I, I, again, I'm not super familiar with the manga nor the history of this series, so I can't tell you uh, all the real finer details of like how this became to be, because I haven't even saw the, seen the other four movies yet. Uh, but what I know about this film is, as the film progresses and he meets Tomei, uh, he's basically starting to kind of find his humanity again. And uh, all this is happening while he's actually being hunted by other uh, assassins and, you know, clans to try to kill him because, obviously, uh, you know, he's, he's like a problem for them. Like, he's a real badass. Uh, he literally is quick, and his sword play is great. And, uh, yeah, so basically, you know, he's like, kill like a hundred people and he's he's very cold at the beginning of the film like we noticed at the beginning of the film he's just he kind of does what he does he doesn't really care uh you know if they ask him you know the revolutionaries ask him to go kill someone he's like okay uh there is a point early in the film where he's where these five watchmen dude are walking down this alleyway and uh Bodhisattva shows up and they know who he is so like immediately there's like they start attacking him and vice versa so Bodhisattva starts running at him and he's like just killing him well now there's one particular watchman who every time you think his ass is dead he starts getting up and it's like it's kind of like as they explain later it was his will to live that kept driving him to get up he's like you know I, I love somebody I gotta get back to him uh, finally, Bodhisattva just, like, when the guy's face down, he just, like, takes a sword right through the middle of his back and just finishes him off. But there's, like, two or three instances before that where this samurai gets up, the watchman, and he's trying to, like, fight his way to live. And Bodhisattva just keeps, like, <laughs> cutting him up and taking him down. But, you know, it's just, it, you can tell it's leaving a lasting effect on Bodhisattva's uh, mental ability. Uh, acuity because he's like what is going on why is this guy refusing to die uh, but, but like I said he, he eventually does finish this guy off and that part alone plays a part later in the film so I'm not going to give it away because it, it, that's sort of like the big thing at the end so uh, it's a great samurai film like I was kind of caught off guard I just watched it on a whim I didn't really know much about it I hadn't even seen uh, Eric's review of it until I went back afterwards and looked to see if he did because Eric does all these Asian movie stuff. So he did do this review for this movie. So like after I went back, I agreed with a lot of what he had to say. Uh, I rated this movie about a 9 out of 10. Like It's, it's really good. It's in English. Uh, you, know, you can choose to watch it however you want. If you want to throw subtitles on an original language, that's fine. If you are the kind of person that likes that. I didn't find that the English uh, dub was any problem, like with you know what they were saying. Like you know, I I very rarely have a problem with that. I think 
English dub in the past with past martial arts films can be a bit more problematic because it's never matching. That's why it's kind of like a meme now and it's a gif. Like, you, you killed my father. Yeah. You know, you see like their mouth doesn't quite match what they're saying. Uh, nowadays, it seems to be a, a less of a problem. And then again, I don't know if this was specifically done in English. I can't even remember. I didn't look up the information on that. Uh, but I can't imagine that it was initially done in English. But if you like samurai stuff, uh, going back to like uh, Lone Wolf with Cub or uh, 13 Assassins, stuff like that, you will actually dig this because there's plenty of good gore, plenty of good fighting. There's obviously this this lapse of stuff where it kind of just, it, I won't say it drags, but it, it's its just creating more story uh, for uh, Bodotai and Tomei. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on here, and then we also have Betrayal and everything else going on in here. So, uh, it's sort of cat and mouse, too. So, I think you'll actually enjoy this. Like, it, it's on Netflix, and they also, as I said, right now, from what I can tell, the other film, The Final... Which I'm assuming is probably the fourth one, I would guess, in the series. But there's apparently three other movies before that. So I have to make sure I go and, and check them out from, you know, I've already seen this one. So from the other four, just start from there and go to the end. And so I can kind of get a broader uh, idea of what all this world is about and Bodasai and all that. So, But definitely you can start here with the beginning because it's a prequel that leads up to everything else so check it out it's on netflix and we're gonna get back into our music got some red reener from angels pr devil's force from against pr but we got some grand sounds promotion giving us carnage of children the divine right hand
Nothing but love for you. Nothing but love for you. You think I have any clue what's about to happen to him? Oh, not a chance in hell. Good night. just a little clip of the original Independence Day from 1996. I was actually in the theaters when I went to see that. and What a spectacle it was. Uh, what was it? Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich who uh, had created this uh, in 96 and really didn't need anything more from it. <laughs> I know they'd always been toying with the idea of doing a sequel and then in 2016 they actually did it. Uh when I saw the trailer back then, I thought, wow, it looks kind of bad. And then, you know, it, obviously my interest is always in hell because I do love the original Independence Day. Like, the first one was so good. Jeff Goldblum and uh, Will Smith, who you heard in that clip, were really good. Like, as a tandem, when they were working together, they were funny. You know, they worked well. It was the chemistry. And then you had... Other actors like Judd Hirsch in there, who played uh, Jeff Goldblum's dad. Bill Pullman, who played the president. Uh, Brent Spiner from uh, Star Trek The Next Generation was in there as one of the scientists uh, from that movie. And so you had like a really strong cast, and it was a lot of fun. It was also an emotional thing. Uh, it was well-balanced. Like It's sci-fi, yes, I get it, but you, know, you, let, you were in that film watching it and you were like wow this is really well put together it's balanced in terms of the comedy verse because you had uh, randy quaid in there and he was quite hilarious uh and then you had just softer moments in there when people died that you know were close to the other characters and it's like wow you know this is this is pretty intense uh even for a sci-fi movie so 
come 2016 when Resurgence comes out, you know, you're like, okay. And you kind of got an impression when we saw the trailer, like, oh, okay, how far have we come in 20 years? Well, the breakdown of the plot here is uh, the film takes place 20 years after the events of the first film, during which the United Nations has collaborated to form the Earth Space Defense, an international military defense and research organization. Through reverse engineering, the world has fused the power of alien technology with humanity and laid the groundwork to resist a second invasion. Now, what ends up happening here is not only have they created this defense system, uh, but there's world peace, of course. Everyone's getting along because we all kind of like learned our lesson that uh, from the first film not to be so petty about shit. Of course, it's too bad we can't learn that in real life. Uh, but then, like, we also are expanding, so like we start having space stations out close to the moon, and you know, trying to even we even actually have like I think it was the space station out towards Saturn or something. I can't remember exactly, um, but we have like we've we've expanded beyond Earth to get out there, and uh, it was almost like we had like our own little uh, scout team out there, you know, in case something like that ever happened again. Well. Sure as shit, uh, we find out that the alien species from the first film, uh, they're, not, they're not finished. They're not extinct. They have more. They have a queen, uh, which I'll get to in a minute. But uh, they decide, they get this message from what's going on the first time around about their aliens being taken down. And this pisses off the queen or whatever, and so now they're they're on a quest for revenge, you know, not not just revenge, but they want to get the resources they came after when they came to Earth the first time. And what makes it a little bit different is the queen's ship, which is like it's at least a quarter of the size of Earth. So what this thing is I just kind of uh, attribute it to kind of like a Devin Townsend Ziltoid thing it's a planet killer <laughs> this thing is so big that it looks like a claw when it latches onto a planet and what it does is it shoots a beam into the center of the earth drawing all the resource out the energy the molten the lava radiation whatever and when it's done the earth whatever is done is the planet just ends up dying and like breaking in, in pieces uh, we saw in this film we saw like early on how that ship actually does that and like there's actually a planet that's like dead and like it's falling to pieces because of what all the energy it took from it so we get this queen she finally arrives like she destroys like the defense system that earth has does nothing like they've managed to alien species have managed to like break down that barrier and just totally destroyed that. We have nothing that can face it. It still has shields. Which, you know, if you're going to get another invasion, you have to have more than lasers. This is a lesson we learned the first time around because uh, Jeff Goldman's character was the one that figured out you need to put a, a virus into the fucking system to take it down. So, how on earth we thought we would get away with doing, you know, a defense for Earth when we'd still have to get inside this, the mothership, basically, and take it down from the inside out. Well, we clearly didn't learn. We, we, you know, we thought we had it all cool. In fact, our president now, uh, I'm 
trying to remember who plays it. One second here. Uh, who is it? Oh, Sella Ward. So, a uh, woman president. She lost her family during the first invasion, and this loss made her suspicious of anything coming from space. So, ironically, on this day when the mothership's arriving, uh, there's a couple things that happen. One, the president is holding this big gathering because they shot down uh, another craft that had approached. Now, I'm going to get to what that's all about here in a minute, but another craft had approached the Earth, and then the president, without really... Even though there was no aggression from this craft, the president decided, oh, we're going to shoot it down. And they destroyed it. It fell on the moon. And they did send a, a search team out to find some object that has, like, a, a similar look to some carvings on, on some stone on Earth. So they bring it back because they want to see what that's all about. But it shows you that the president wasn't really thinking uh, logically or thoughtfully about what she was, the decision she was making. Bill Pullman, who played the president 20 years ago, much older, of course. His daughter is played by, uh, uh, who is the chick? Uh, God damn it. Hold on. Sorry, guys. Uh, Maka Monroe, who plays Patricia Whitmore. So she is the young daughter from the first film, uh, who is Pullman's daughter, of course. So she's older. She's dating a new cast member, Liam uh, Hemsworth, who's a pilot, and of course we have another guy, um, Jesse Usher, who is playing Dylan, who's also another pilot. So there's this trio of friends, but there's some tension there. I'm not going to get into all that, but it's just more like teenage drama type shit, I guess, if you want to put her 20-somethings. Anywho, uh, so Pullman is older, and he's sort of being taken care of by his daughter at home like you know he's he, if, you, if you saw the first film there's a moment where Pullman's character is actually being uh, his mind is being uh, penetrated by the alien species and they're able to like create sound to hurt you but what happens is when they open up that door telepathically it makes you see both ways so that's how Pullman's character the president was able to discover at that time in the first film what the intentions were from the aliens like they wanted to come kill off humanity take the resources and move on there he says as he says they're like locusts so because of that pullman ends up having like these visions or nightmares or even uh premonitions of, of stuff to come so he shows up at this big gathering uh at, at near the white house uh celebrating that taking down that small ship that approached uh, because they thought it was a big-ass victory. And he essentially says, look, death is coming. We need to be ready. Like, he's you know, he's kind of stumbling over his words because he's almost like he's senile. And everybody's kind of looking at him, including the president, like, you know, you're, you know, maybe you should go sit this one out. You know, this is one of those things where you blow him off. Uh, but it isn't long until the mothership approaches and all of a sudden that shit gets real. People are freaking out, blah, 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 this and that. Uh... Jeff Goldblum, of course, back in this, uh, his, uh, what is his character's name? Da uh, David Levinson, and his father is Judd Hirsch, uh, from the first film. Now, David, of course, was, uh, a former, like, I guess, TV guy, reporter, or something. He, he worked at the, 
one of the newspapers or something like that or web scenes or whatever it is at the time because he's the one that kind of discovered the hidden code in the first film that allowed them to know that oh there's a countdown to an attack but now uh, David is uh, director of the Earth Space Defense System so he's got a bigger role um, but he's always wary about you know them coming back he's always been kind of hunching at the idea that they might return and so now we have like you know the old school warning about the new school but the new school thinks they're too much badass that they can get shit done long story short the new characters in the film so between Liam Hemsworth Mika Moreau and Jesse Usher they're very forgettable like they're not they don't stand out they don't stand out like Goldblum or Will Smith did in 96 uh, or even you know Randy Quaid back then like he didn't stand out enough for that uh, Goldblum is good Pullman's good uh, you also have Brent Spiner, Vivica Fox uh, as I said before Judd Hirsch now one of the big problems between this film and the original was in, as I'm 22 earlier the original Independence Day had a combination of uh, darkness, emotion, and basically some subtle comedy mixed in there because it was funny, you know. Uh, and so it all worked. What I see in this film is where they're forcing the comedic aspects of the film. So there's a point where Judd Hirsch is on his boat and this big fucking monsoon of a wave is coming at him. It's destroying ships around him. Now somehow he's able to his ship's able to ride this wave until it crashes into these other into these docks and stuff right and of course uh some other people find him later some kids find him later on and i'm like there's no way he's gonna survive that and then while it's happening it's almost like he's cracking jokes while it's happening so it's the wrong time to do that and it doesn't fit with the film and the banter really between judd hirsch and Jeff Goldblum in the first one was excellent. Like, it was a father-son thing you really got. Now, now in this film, everything is just... The comedy is misplaced, and it's just it just falls flat. It's terrible. Um, the, emotional, the emotional scenes that we're supposed to have in this as well is, is gone as well. Like, there's a moment when one girl's dad is, like, blown up by the queen ship, right? So... You expect a little bit more out of that, and we don't really get that moment with her to deal with that. Uh, it's just rushed right by. Uh, now, here's another thing. The interesting thing about this, besides the ship being half the size of the planet, the queen herself is like a fucking size of a kaiju. Now, I don't understand this. doesn't mean it can't be realistically possible, but compared to all the other aliens that are like, human size are shorter this one is like like I said the size of a kaiju so or a kaiju if you want to pronounce it that way but it, it just made no sense to me like she comes out and she's like you got obviously she's got her own armor her own like shield and all that which is cool but I didn't expect her to be like 50 times bigger than everything else and so that was a little weird to me as well so uh, it, this film didn't work for me it just didn't and it really starts with, you know, you would have been better off just sticking with the original characters in this film, really, because you don't need new faces. Uh, you probably could have gotten by 
even Brent Spiner's character, who was generally funny, had some. He probably had probably like some of the better comedic moments in this film, but like even then, it was like overdone. Like they tried too hard. Uh, but between the new faces that we see, it's just like it's so boring and dull, and it just doesn't work. And if I had to rate this out of ten, it probably gets a three or four. Um, the gra- the CGI and graphics are nice, obviously. Uh, I like the idea that we have been able to use utilize their technology a little bit from what we learned when they were there the first time. Uh, I really don't have a problem with Pullman or Goldblum's acting at all. Um, outside of that, though, it really was pretty bad. Like I just, and there, I know there's some people out there that say it was good, but I don't get it. I don't see where you see the same thing that I do. Uh, it was just really bad, and a lot of even some of the stuff that we see in this film is basically a rehash of the first film. Like we have a moment where Pullman actually walks into a holding cell with one of the aliens, allows the alien to start strangling him so he can use his voice box uh, to communicate, which is something we saw in the first film with Spiner's character. And it's like. Why go back to that? Well, we, I mean, obviously we know that's how they can communicate with English, but it's dumb. You couldn't think of something else to do with that? I mean, really? Even even now that we've learned all this technology, like, we didn't have some sort of translator we couldn't have invented? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I just... Too much stuff felt samey and forced and in the same kind of vibe that we had from the first film, and it just doesn't work. So yeah, probably about a 4 out of 10 is about where I put it. Maybe 3, because it's just not very good. Alright, back into our music. Uh, brand new stuff from Incoffination, kicking it off with Gloriously Decomposed.
this is Roger from No Moss. And also Ben from No Moss. Hey, Henry over here from No Moss. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Come get it. Get lit. Yeah, and John too. <laughs> Alright, getting ready to jump into our rock block. Got some Nord from Inverse Records as well as Ghost Toast, also Inverse Records. A couple of bands that sent me some uh, music to play for them, Factory of Art as well as Tapper and Bridge, so I got that in there as well. Curtain Call sent me some Uncured. Uncured. Also got Metal Message sent me King Satan. Kind of reminds me of Kevin there. All right. Let's get this shit on the road. Nor kicking off our rock block. This is Left Behind.
find life such a problem because you think there are the good people and the bad people. You're wrong, of course. There are always and only the bad people, but some of them are on opposite sides.
Lord, we know there's no good order except that which we create. There is no hope but us. There is no mercy but us. There's no justice. There's just us. All things that are, are ours. But we must care. For if we do not care, we do not exist. If we do not exist, then there's nothing but blind oblivion. Even an oblivion must end one day. Lord, will you grant me just a little time for the proper balance of things to return what was given for the sake of prisoners and the flight of the birds? Lord, what can the harvest hope for? If not care of the reaper man.
DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaboration with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y. Sci-Fi Century. Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla-related information. Peace.
innocent. I'm sentencing you to 30 months felony probation, and the probation is going to be to this court. You're going to be allowed to travel wherever you want. You do not have to live in the state of Illinois. You can report by phone. I know that uh, if you're going to try to make a living and do some of the things you do, you may have to go to uh, other, other places, New York and Los Angeles. You can do those things. You will pay restitution to the city of Chicago in the amount of $120,106. You are fined $25,000, which is the maximum fine. And you will spend the first 150 days of your sentence in the Cook County Jail. And that will start today, right here, right now. Mr. Smollett, though the jury found you guilty and I've sentenced you as I have, you have the right to appeal the findings and rulings of the court or ask your sentence be modified. To do those things, you need to file a notice of appeal in writing within 30 days. You may also file a motion to modify your sentence, which would have to be filed in writing within 30 days. Anything not stated in those filings are waived for purposes of appeal. You cannot afford lawyers or transcripts. They would be provided for your charge. Do you have any questions? No, I would just like to say to Your Honor that I am, uh, I am not suicidal. That's what I would like to say. Okay. I am not suicidal. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am innocent, and I am not suicidal. If I did this, then it means that I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years and the fears of the LGBTQ community. Your Honor, I respect you, and I respect the jury, but I did not do this. And I am not suicidal. And if anything happens to me when I go in there, I did not do it to myself. And you must all know that. I respect you, Your Honor. I respect your decision. Jail time. I am not suicidal. Okay. Mr. Luchay. So you heard a little bit there for Jesse Smollett getting the sentencing for his part in the hoax. For those that don't know, Jesse Smollett, a small-time actor who was part of a show called Empire a few years ago. And uh, he pulled a hoax. Well, he claimed initially that he was jumped by two guys wearing MAGA hats who threw a noose around his neck roughed him up a little bit, and then let him go. So, he went on TV and everything, and papers, and the media, and he made it sound like, you know, he was a victim of a, a hate crime uh, committed by some Trump followers. Uh, then as the investigation went on, uh, they discovered that, oh, his, his story didn't match up. We also found out that the two gentlemen that were that jumped him were not only black themselves but they uh, were hired by Smollett to jump him and stage this whole thing there's evidence to prove that no question end of messages there that is truth uh, now initially when he was when all this got found out the original prosecutor, Fox, uh, she and her, her her group had dropped the charges. Like, all of a sudden, I don't know. At first, they were so adamant about Smollett, and they were going to go out and get justice and all this. 
and they were going to find the ones responsible. And then when it came out that Smollett had actually done this and had staged the whole thing, the prosecutors decided, well, we don't want to do this because, you know, whatever. And, there, and there, here's, the, here's the funny thing about that entire situation, okay? This is what people don't know. Fox had close ties to the Obamas, okay? The celebrities in Hollywood in general, there was a good, um, uh, a good bunch of them that had supported Jesse when he first made the uh, announcement that he was jumped and everything else. So it was just like outpouring from Hollywood saying, hey, we can't have this. Even one of our own just got roughed up by Trump supporters, et cetera, et cetera. And the Obamas, you know, when they found out that Jesse had set this all up, the Obamas pleaded with Fox and company to drop the charges, and they did. There, he, it was an inside fucking job, Okay. So now when we see what's happening with the, the when they had to redo this, because they got smart, the system got smart and said, you know what? No. The prosecutor did this the wrong way. They tried to cover up the fact that they were hiding shit about why they dropped the case. Even though it wasn't illegal, they were still uh, uh, obstruction of justice there, uh, blocking any kind of information that was going to prove why he was th those charges dropped like it was 16 counts that they just dropped <laughs> amazing if that had been anybody else a regular citizen like you or i we'd be in jail she would have prosecuted if i if it would have been me she would have prosecuted me with no problem uh and it's a racist thing she is racist period end of story i'm not even getting into it because i get really fired up about this kind of stuff however they found another judge. They found another prosecutor. They went back after Small because they wasted so much police resources to investigate his story to begin with. And when they finally found out what happened, the original prosecutor wanted to try to make it go away and sweep it under the rug like nothing ever happened. Fuck her. Fuck Fox. You're a terrible person. End of story. So they got someone else to fill in and do this. And they got brought all the fucking evidence they had, which they had before, but Fox just wanted to ignore. They brought all the evidence, and they prosecuted Jesse Smollett. And here's the thing. The shit that Jesse did carries a maximum of three years in prison. Now, keep that in your head, okay? Three years, because it's, uh, it's a class four felony. Just keep that in your head for a minute. He's going into sitting here today after... A jury of his peers found him guilty. They didn't believe his bullshit story. It didn't make sense. And he had the same two guys that he hired testified against him. So, here he is at sentencing, and Judge uh, Lynn is, you know, given his, his uh, sentencing, and it could be, like I said, three years is the max that, that Jesse Smollett can face for this crime. Forget Jesse is a fucking actor. Forget that he's a semi-celebrity. Uh, Forget that he's black. He's a human being. Just remember this. He's one of us. Remember? Remember? When he got jumped, everybody who came out of the fucking woodwork said, Oh, no, he's not just a celebrity. He's one of us. You know, He deserves justice like any other person would. Remember this, what I'm telling you. So here it is. He's facing sentencing, 
Okay. He only has to face 30 months of probation. And he has to pay a fine, which, you know, is normal. And the judge gave him 150 days in jail. Dude, that is a little over four months. Keep that in mind. A three-year possibility and only has to serve four. Now, that clip you heard, when Jesse initially was asked by the judge prior to that, if he had anything to say, Jesse didn't say anything. He said, no, he aren't. The minute he found out he had jail time, Jesse flipped the fuck out. He's like, and he starts going on a rant, which cracks me up because there's already jokes about how well his acting is here compared to everything else. But he goes and says, you know, I'm not suicidal. Like, at first you're like, what the fuck does that have to do anything? But what Jesse's implying for those that haven't caught on is he's assuming that if he goes in jail that he's going to be killed by somebody. Cops or other jailers or whatever. So he's already saying, like, if I die, it's not because I did it. <laughs> he's trying to make himself a fucking martyr, even though there has been no threats against his life. So, he gets sentenced to 150 days in jail. Now, about an hour or so, about an hour and a half ago, there's an update to this story because now the judge has agreed to put him in protective custody while in jail. So he now gets his own little section of cell outside of general population. Even though there's been no threats of any violence from the inmates or anything towards him, he gets his own little private you know, hideaway with probably better food, treated real well. You know, This is just one of us, remember guys? This is what I'm telling you. He's one of us, but he gets special treatment because, you know, he's a black gay guy. But because he broke the law, we're somehow supposed to just sweep that bullshit under the rug. And this is the thing about Hollywood and celebrities in general that I fucking hate. They get away with everything, dude. It's so ridiculously retarded. If I, you know, as much as I love entertainment, as love as, my, as much as I love music, movies, sports those people get so much leeway when they do crimes it's just it's a fucking joke I'm sorry and it's like I want to walk up to a lot of them sometimes and just punch them right in the fucking face because I get so irritated that they try to claim that they're one of us that they care about us that they are no different than us but they will take every fucking single advantage in society and privilege that they have black white or whatever and run with it they will fucking run with it dude they will not give a fuck they will if it was between you and them and a fucking gang of fucking dinosaurs chasing you they're gonna leave you they'll shoot you in the leg and leave you to die they will do that they don't give a fuck about you or me so I find it hilarious when I'm reading like Jesse's siblings, his sister and brother, who already had come out in the public, you know, media, and said, this is a miscarriage of justice. You know, they don't understand Jesse's play. I'm like, fuck you, dude. We understand what it's like to be black. We're not dumb. But we also understand that he fucking lied. We also understand that he played a hoax to gain attention for whatever fucking reason. I don't know who the fuck knows what his intentions were. Uh, from everything that I can remember from when it first happened, Jesse was on that show Empire and his, his character was getting ready to be written out of the show. 
and this happened shortly after so there's many beliefs that he had done this to basically you know gain more attention for himself so they could get better roles or whatever I don't know it's a really dumb thing period but the way they're acting is, is they're acting as if he's gonna be fucking put away for life it's four fucking months dude suck it the fuck up and really, you don't need a private prison, dude. It's it's retarded. So now, here's the, here's the kicker in all this. If Jesse goes in this private cell and hangs himself, it's all of a sudden going to be, oh, the cops must have hung him or killed him. Epstein style. Like, like this is what Jesse's trying to like say here. So I almost got a feeling like this guy might just off himself just so he can create more racial issues in America. And create more issues for police force. You know, he might be so fucking stupid or, or depressed or whatever it is that's going on in his head. To the point that he might actually kill himself to make it look like he was murdered. That's the problem with guys like this. And the judge caught on to it. The judge said he's narcissistic and arrogant. And he is. He's a fucking privileged black dude. Fuck white privilege. He's black privilege, dude. He's a fucking rich dude. Uh, privileged black American who's trying to get away with doing a crime and doesn't want to face accountability for it. That's it. That's it, folks. The evidence was there. There's no fucking, uh, no, there's no fucking, like, agenda against him. No one's working against him. He, he, he did it all to himself. And he and his family and those celebrities that stand by him, they don't fucking get it either. They'd rather just let this guy not be accountable and be continue to be a fucking baby fed and privileged to try to avoid actually being accountable for his actions. It's disgusting, dude. I'm tired of it. So fucking tired of it. And, it, and this isn't about Trump or any other politician because we can go on forever about the accountability that they're not facing either, right? We can, we can do this all day with celebrities and politicians and stuff. It's not just Jesse Small, but it's a, it's a, he's one example of a trend that we see in America. Like, just with all these, you know, people in the higher-ups. Us average Joes, we don't get that kind of, like, you know, grace or, or you know, leniency. If this would be me doing the same fucking bullshit... I would be in jail for three years. Guaranteed, dude. It doesn't fucking matter. Because I don't have the money to fight it. And I don't have fucking celebrities crawling out of their ass work to fucking help me out. It's just, you know, I don't like going into politics and these social issues that often. But every once in a while, you just have to point out the fucking obvious. So whether you agree with me or disagree, it doesn't matter. It's fine. But the point being here is that it's tiring to see these these privileged people who have all this stuff in life that I don't have, and then they try to abuse it, and then they try they try to escape you know skate through the justice system and use other you know the biggest problem about this folks is a black gay person has just now made it harder for other black and gay people to actually get justice for hate crimes because now as we go forward anytime it happens 
we're going to question ourselves. Oh my God, we got another Justin, uh, Jesse Smollett here. That's what's going to happen, dude. Jesse, thank you for doing that because you just fucked everything else up. And it's a shame. So sit in yourself for four months, Jesse. Uh, reflect on the shit you've done. Hopefully you come out a better man than you were when you went in. And uh, it's good that at least justice on some form was, was met here. And that's the end of my rant, folks. I'm very sorry about that, but uh, it just had to be said. just had to be said. All right, Crowbar. And uh, I'm throwing this out to a fucking Fox and friends. Not, not Fox News, Fox, the uh, former prosecutor. It's from Crowbar's new record, Denial of the Truth. Suck on it, Jesse.
Everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 to noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. back getting ready to jump into my last topic of the day and uh it's another movie that was released a couple years ago and uh just 
at first I thought maybe okay I'm interested in it because you know obviously when you see familiar faces with a franchise you're like oh yeah this would be great you know because you know we're going back nostalgia wise dealing with the movies that we grew up with and loved but you know if you've been paying attention to some of the shows that Rob from ETN has done for Samurai as far as like discussions on Predator and AV, Alien vs. Predator and all that the one constant we talk about is where these franchises go wrong where they're you know they put out a couple good movies and then all of a sudden everything since then becomes trash or it's not well thought out bad script writing, bad editing bad casting, whatever and so, so is the case with Terminator Dark Fate. And uh, this is kind of following a trend now where this particular movie actually f follows the footsteps of T2. So everything that's happened after Terminator 2, movie-wise and, and series-wise, is, is not even included. Like, they've erased that. So Dark Fate is now the third, considered the third in the installment of this Terminator series. And... It stars Linda Hamilton, who, of course, was in the first two. Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, in the first two. Uh, but we have a couple of new faces in Dark Fate. We have Mackenzie Davis, as well as Natalie Reeves. Uh, the beginning of this film, uh, I, I remember people talking about at the time when they were seeing it, and I hadn't seen it yet, but one of the complaints was, and I don't know, I, don't, I have to go back and kind of read why they didn't like it, uh, I have my uh, suspicions why, which I'll get to later, but uh, in the beginning, and there's going to be some spoilers here because, look, you know, we, this has been out a while, so I shouldn't have to, like, you know, sidestep this particular movie, but, uh, so Edward Furlong, it's not actually him, but it, it, it's a kid they've gotten, they've CGI'd Edward's face on, looks just like him, uh, and Lino Hamilton's there, and they're on a beach somewhere, and she's narrating the fact that, you know, that she saved the planet, that, you know, after T2, the machines didn't take over, and everything was good. And she's on this beach with her, her son, who's at a, you know, at the counter getting a soda or something, and she's kind of back on this little table just watching him. And behind her, <laughs> we see this big dude. Uh, it's another... Uh, fit guy who's got Schwarzenegger's face, you know, CGI'd on him. Glasses and everything comes up, and he's he's hiding clearly a gun, shotgun. And as Edward's character John Connor turns around, he sees this, which alerts his mom. But his mom's too late because uh, the Terminator Schwarzenegger kills John Connor right there, and then people are running and screaming and. Even when Sarah, played by Leno Hamilton, tries to step in and stop it, she can't. Like, he throws her to the side, shoots another uh, shotgun blast into John Connor and kills him right then and there. So then we skip to 25 years later. And uh, the film sees the machine sending an advanced Terminator. Now we've got, like, new players in the game now. So another... Terminator is being sent 25 years later, and this one's called the Rev 9. I'm gonna get a little more detail with that in a minute. Uh, it's a combination between the exoskeleton of the Terminator plus uh, 
to liquid metal as well as say nanobot technology uh, and then the resistance much like the first film uh, sends a, a fighter but this person is a, a advanced um, what do they call it augmented soldier so and that soldier's name is Grace so it's a chick that's being sent to go help a new person and we have this girl played by Natalie Reeves named Danny and supposedly she's the one now that holds the key to the future and this is the interesting thing this is okay because and you know we deal with multiverses all the time when it comes to fucking Marvel so it's not surprising that when Sarah Connor stopped the first time around with the T2 and Skynet, it's not surprising that there would be an alternate timeline that took over. So that from that part, it's believable. It's great. You know, there's no problems there. We, we can understand why that might happen. Uh, but now we have this new Terminator, Rev-9, chasing after Danny, and they have no clue that's coming. Grace, however, uh, the augmented soldier, she does know, and she's... I forget how she finds it, because uh, Danny and her brother... They're Spanish, and they're, you know, not that it really matters, but they're going to work at a, uh, a warehouse. Uh, it looks like there's some sort of putting together cars or something, you know, machinery and whatnot. And, you know, it's just your normal everyday family. You know, they work, they, their father was at home, and, you know, I guess. So, so first, the Terminator shows up at their, their house, and the father opens the door, and then we kind of know how that's going to end because the Terminator's going to kill him. And then take on his form, uh, much like the T one thousand did back in you know T two. So was it T one thousand or T two thousand? I can't remember if they what what his actual number was, but uh, so the Terminator shows up at the workplace and it looks like their dad. So you know he's behaving normally, talking to people, and then uh, is searching out for Danny, uh, the girl. And of course, there's chaos that erupts when you know Danny sees her dad, but then realizes he's pulling a gun on her. <laughs> you know, doesn't know what's going on. Grace shows up, intervenes. Of course, there's back and forth. Uh, we kind of see the T, uh, the Rev Nine take its hits and how it's healing itself. And you know, you can't keep it down long, much like the the Liquid Metal Terminator, by, played by Robert Patrick. And uh, so this goes on for a while, and in fact, right after they get out of the warehouse, they're on the run in his truck, and this this Terminator is chasing them down. The Rev Nine is chasing them down, and like it's just coming and coming and coming. Uh, and then it gets to a point where you almost think it's toast. Now, here's a really cool thing: the best thing about this film for me is the Rev Nine. Uh, this Terminator, in particular, can split itself into two different Terminators. And it's cool because the liquid metal and nanotechnology bite, the nanobots, separate from the dark, the dark uh, exoskeleton terminator. And so it can operate as two different terminators. So in one instance, uh, you may have seen in the trailer, the terminator is driving a truck and then it separates from the exoskeleton, leaving the exoskeleton to drive the truck while the liquid part forms into a, another human being or the human being that it was mimicking, uh, and then chases down uh, its victim. So it, we're at a point now in this bridge where 
the Terminators are both cornering Grace and Danny. Uh, and then all of a sudden these shotgun blasts burst out, right? So we see that uh, Linda Hamilton's character, Sarah Connors, they're much older, uh, much more wear on her, and she's fighting. And anyway, she, she manages to help him get away temporarily because she blows that uh, echoskeleton over the side of the bridge or something and stuff like that. So they manage to get away. Initially, it's just Grace and Danny and Linda Hamilton actually went to, or Sarah Connor went to kill it, went down by underneath the bridge to try to kill it, but uh, something happened and it got away. So, but they left in Sarah Connor's truck, so they left her behind not knowing who she was, only that she was, she did help them, but they didn't care, they just left. So Sarah Connor's kind of pissed off about that. So... They eventually catch up with one another, and, you know, Connor tries to explain to Danny and Grace, like, who she is, what she means, and why she's there. And the biggest question answered was, the reason why Sarah knew they would be on the bridge is because she had been getting text messages on her phone about coordinates on a certain day. And that's why Sarah was there. So then the plan comes to figure out, well, who's sending these messages? Like, why are these messages coming? Why are they coming to Sarah? And all this good shit. And uh, finally, when they, they finally find the coordinates of the person that's sending the messages for them. And so they travel to this place, which is a cabin out in the middle of nowhere. And when they come up to the door and knock on and everything, they all of a sudden we see Schwarzenegger there. Like, you know, he's in Terminator form, obviously. Not not the skeleton, but just his form. You know, he's a human. And Sarah's, like, ready to fucking kill him right there because, obviously, he killed her son. And so she's trying desperately to get, you know, away from Grace, who's pretty strong for, uh, you know, augmented soldiers. So, uh... But both Grace and Danny are telling her to chill out because they need to hear what the Terminator needs to say. Uh, even when Schwarzenegger confirms that he's the Terminator that killed her son, he says there's a reason for that, etc., etc. And uh, so then there's like these, it's really kind of a weird moment because Schwarzenegger's Terminator, since killing John Connor, has somehow found a heart and found humanity. Uh, so he's married, actually, to a human chick and has, like, her... her. Of course, she has a, a teenage son. So he helps raise them. And, you know, one of the questions brought up by Sarah Connor is like, well, does she know what you are? He's like, no, uh, but I'm a good listener. And then it's kind of one good moment where... In a straight face, uh, the Terminator is like, "Yeah, she likes me because I have a good sense of humor." But there's like no laughter. It's just it's kind of funny that way. Um, but we all know at this point, like that the Terminator, uh, Schwarzenegger's Terminator, is actually going to help protect Danny. Danny has now somehow become the future savior of the you know human race because instead of Skynet, we now have uh, a something called Legion is what sent the uh, new Terminator out after in the first place. So as I said, multiverse timelines, that's probably what happened. You you kill off one timeline, but then another one begins. So it's almost, it's kind of almost like 
it's almost inevitable that that's going to happen. Like, humanity is going to come to an end one way or the other. It's almost like a final destination thing. Uh, you can't avoid death. So, it sounds to me kind of like the Terminator, no matter how many more they do in this series, it's always going to come back to, you know, you can only escape it for so long before it ends up changing to another timeline, and then you're doing it all over again. Um, the problems for me in this film are the fact that, you know, like I said, supposedly now Danny is the savior of the future, so it's like, hello, woke, that's my old friend. Uh, we've gone from spending time where a young man, John Connor, is the guy that's actually the one saving everybody to a, uh, now a girl. Now, I get it. We, we want more opportunities for women and actresses to be in action movies, and this one's full of it. There's, you know, Linda Hamilton, uh, Mackenzie Davis, and Ellie Reeves. We, we got three of them in here, you know, that are, and they're the ones really kind of left standing at the end anyway. Uh... But, you know, the question remains, is it really that necessary to change every single thing just to fit a certain format or fit into a certain image that we're looking for these day and age? Uh, I don't know. I just, I, I get turned off by some of this stuff because I don't want to be force-fed into things. Like, I just went to see the Batman a couple days ago, right? There's a bit of a little bit of wokeness in that, but it, it's so minor and it's it also ties more into the plot itself. Like, there's no plot reason why Danny or even Mackenzie Davis have to be female. There's no reason for it. None. No background. The only reason we have is because they have a past. But you could have made those characters anything or any person. Uh, you could have made another sex altogether, or at least one of them altogether different. You just you didn't want to do it. Like, it's so weird. It seems so forced. And it's like... You're better off taking out, <clears throat> excuse me, taking out Davis's character of Grace, and just putting Hamilton in there. Let her take care of business, because at least you have some continuity there with that. You know, she's been there before; she's done all this. And Chant, and believe it or not, her story uh, with John dying and everything is far more important, you know, as far as my interest goes than uh, Grace, you know, who is some other soldier type that's there now uh i just wasn't needed for me i don't think and i just kind of hate that this is constantly becoming like well we got to have like so many women in here we can't have guys anymore like what the fuck <laughs> you know it's so dumb uh obviously schwarzenegger plays a part but you know he's he's much older now so he's limited to what he can do they've cgi'd some of his stuff that he's done in there which is fine we expected that uh I don't know who the new Terminator was acting-wise. He did a good job. Uh, like I said, the 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 type of Terminator that Rev-9 is is very cool. Like, I like what they did with that. It was very imaginative and creative. Uh, but as far as, like, the movie itself, it just it really falls flat. Uh, not near as bad as uh, Independence Day Resurgence, of course, but... Uh, you know, I rated this one about 6 out of 10 uh, as far as enjoyability. I won't watch it ever again. I uh, have no interest in it. Uh, if you're someone who's new to the Terminator series, stick with the first two. That's really all you need. <laughs> uh, 
it, there's just nothing else after it that's really that important. Uh, there's very few cases where movies later in the career, even when it has the same actors, does well or you know impresses as much. So uh, the other night when we were talking with Rob on ET and again, you know, about movies and entertainment, one of the other movies that came up was First Blood. So the Rambo series is very good. In fact, in 2008 when they did Rambo, the fourth one in the series. Uh, that really caught me by surprise. Like, I really enjoyed that. And that last 15 minutes was excellent in that film. Uh, I did see first, uh, not for Last Blood, not too long ago, probably about a few months back. And that was not that good. Like, some people liked it. I didn't really like it. I thought it was just a lot of rehash and re-attempt to try to capture the magic of that fourth one. Uh, but really, the fourth one was the end for me with that, that series. But then you have other good stuff like... Um, Rambo, or not Rambo, but I'm uh, sorry, uh, Rocky Balboa. Uh, I thought that was a really good uh, installment to the Rocky series. Uh, then, of course, then you have the Creed movies that followed that. So that really, you know, that's still doing pretty well, uh, where they work in Sylvester Stallone's character of Rocky in those films. Uh, but the, the Terminator series has just really struggled, man. It just has. Like, I haven't not liked anything since the second one. And they can't seem to find, to me, the the right recipe to recapture that glory. And it doesn't have to be samey. Just like with Independence Day Resurgence, it didn't have to be the same as the first one. But yet they kept trying to do that. And even though Dark Fate tries to do it a little differently... They just went far off in the deep end. Like you, you can make changes, but they don't have to be grand changes. You don't have to do quite that much. You don't have to make every person in the film female. It, it's just, you know, if you're worried about like backlash because you don't have enough female characters or gay characters, then you're doing it wrong because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Actors and actresses do things. Or portray people, portray things, because they're doing fictional stuff. Uh, it's why we don't make a super huge deal when, you know, if we make Spawn black or if we make uh, Othello black or whatever, you know, just even or if you take a character that's like, for instance, Tilda Swinton, uh, Swinton for uh, Doctor Strange, the first movie, and, and some of the other little uh, Endgame and stuff like that, like. She's playing a character based in Asian mythology. And everybody was making an uproar saying that should have went to an Asian actor. Well, no, because we're supposed to not look at the person portraying a character only that they're portraying a character. And that's the thing that gets lost. Like, there's this hypocritical stance that... Oh, well, black people and Asian people can betray, betray white characters. And women can betray... Uh, for instance, good example here. I know I'm going off on a tangent a little bit here, but the new Hellraiser that's going to be coming out, right? Uh, it's not going to be a male. It's going to be a female pinhead. So I'm saying to myself, okay, well, I'll, I'll probably give it a shot, obviously, because I like horror, but I'm already going into it thinking, why are we doing this? Why are we fake making it a female this time? It makes no sense. Sure, opportunities are there, but why are we doing it? Now, some people argued, of course, that the books show that it can be uh, unisex or uh, non-binary type being, which is fine. Uh, but again, like, 
you know, we grew up with Pinhead with, you know, being a male and the guy uh, portraying a guy, I can't really forget his name, but the point being is that we're doing, sometimes when we do these movies, we're just forcing it too much. And we're not just letting actors actually win the auditions as is. Like, we're just like, it's like, almost like uh, Canada, you know, when they're doing their filling in for prime ministers and stuff over there, like, they went, like, five years, I think, not allowing men to apply for the job. Like, they were forcing it just women only. And this is kind of like almost how this is playing out with this this type of movie. Like, do we not just audition more than just women? Like, did we not try to give it to somebody else? Like, and it's just, you know, and it didn't come out very good. And it's not really so much because of the women themselves. It's just that you look back to Ghostbusters 2016, it wasn't the actress's fault that that movie failed. It was because they fucking gave him a shit script. And I probably would have enjoyed Dark Fate more if it was stronger in terms of, like, the movie itself. Uh, but it really relied too much on everything else. Like, you take Schwarzenegger out, it's probably even worse than the 6 out of 10 I gave you, just because he is the face of that franchise. Um, yeah, so anyway. Uh, the best movie of the ones I've, that I've reviewed today is uh, Ririni... Uh, Kinnishin, that's like the best one. So, and that's on Netflix, so you don't even have to pay for that. Of course, Dark Fade and Independence Research, I think those are on Hulu. I think that's where I saw them. So, even if you have that, you can watch those for free, basically, without paying an arm and a leg. If you want to, of course. Um, I didn't find any redeeming qualities out of either movie, so. Alright, uh, next blocks of music because we're going to be running out close to the end here. Uh, Kobar PR has given us some, some stuff from Cultic. Brand new stuff from Midnight and Glossin. Got a couple of classic tracks though from Polluted Inheritance and also Gorefest kicking it off with From Ignorance to Oblivion.
everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer. Hate Beak and Zell R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now.
Stuff from midnight. DJ Noob is here with you on Middle Time Radio, The Hordes of Chaos, episode 159, getting ready to come to a close. Thank you all for joining me in this episode, and I uh, hope you enjoyed all the uh, topics and discussion as well as the great music that comes with it. Be sure to be looking out for the uh, videos on ETN with Rob. He's, like I said earlier, he's guest hosting uh, Fat Samurai Guys channel stuff right now with Versus and some movie discussions with some of his uh, dad's favorite movies. So 
I'll be appearing in some of those here and there uh, to talk movies and stuff like that, of course. Also, still putting out the uh, podcast and also my own personal videos, so just keep tabs on MetalTavernRadio.com. We'll have everything updated there. And I got one track left going out to NACO, dedicated by our boy Kevin Terrence, a dedication for Tombstone Blue with a song called Home. And thank you all for tuning in. Take care of yourselves. Thank you.